All right, so in this episode, I'm going to be, you know, doing a profile of a journalist named Greg Pallast. And I've also heard it pronounced Pallast, but I, I think it's pronounced Pallast because in an interview that uh, Jello Biafra did with him, he regularly pronounced it like that. And Greg didn't correct him or anything like that, so... I'm just going to say like Palast. But anyway, he's known for unmasking corruption, investigating elections, and corporate misdeeds and stuff like that. So unfortunately, I'm not doing an interview with him. And and uh, it would be nice if I could. He seems like the type of dude who might actually, you know, agree to an interview like that. You know, but uh, for the moment, it's just going to be a little bit of a bio here. So Greg Pallast, he's, as I said, an American investigative journalist, author, and filmmaker known for his work on uncovering corporate and political corruption, particularly in the ideas of finance, elections, and environmental issues. His most recent documentary is Vigilante, Georgia's Vote Suppression Hitman. And um, I haven't seen that yet, but I've added it to my list of movies to watch. I'm sure it could be an interesting thing for you out there to check out. And he gained prominence for his reporting on voter disenfranchisement and election irregularities. Some key points about Greg Pallast include, you know, his investigative journalism. He has a reputation for in-depth coverage that often delves into inner issues that mainstream media might overlook. And when I say might, it, it often means there's almost no chance that some of these outlets will look into this stuff. Although, you know, sometimes the corporate media actually sort of does look into stuff. It, it's weird. It's one of those things, you know, sometimes there's just a little bit pressure for people to actually be, you know, investigative and stuff like that. Although to a large degree, that's, you know... I, on the decline because corporate media these days is even more corporate than it has been in the past. And, uh, but anyway, Greg has a unique style of combining humor and hard hitting reporting to expose hidden truths. Many people do believe that humor simply has no place in serious work like that, but I think he helps put that myth to rest. And, uh, you know, it's definitely a, a, a sort of strong point to his work, I would say. So anyway, as, as I've noted, he's delved into voter suppression and done election coverage. Pallast is, you know, known for examining voter suppression and election integrity issues. You know, back in the day, the Jim Crow laws were more about overt literacy tests and poll taxes and while those efforts still exist in some form, and there's always some attempt to bring those back, often it's just more subtle. You know, you have these voter purges and, you know, attempts at voter suppression that people might not hear that much about. And, uh, you know, there are definitely some sneaky ways that they're doing it, like um, obviously cutting down on voting locations. That's a pretty common one. It reduces the odds of people turning out. 
And, uh, you know, some people, they've actually been pretty honest in recent years. I've, there was some, uh, some Republican woman who was decrying, or is decrying a word? I'm going to look that up. I think it is a word. Decrying. <laughs> but yeah, she was um, decrying the uh, ability for college students to actually, you know, just roll out of bed and go out and vote. You know, to her, that was actually basically like a scandal. And, uh, you know, you've got these uh, voter roll purges, voter ID laws, and other tactics that disproportionately affect minority and lower income voters. And of, of course, you know, Greg Palast has made books and documentaries. You know, he's got, I think, like six books that I know of. And he's produced documentaries. I think he's even directed one or two that highlight these findings. And some of his notable works include The Best Democracy Money Can Buy, which is both a book and a documentary. And uh, as far as praise for that goes, you have Vincent Bugliosi, who wrote uh, Helter Skelter, and he was the lawyer who put Charles Manson away. But anyway, Vincent said that Greg Palast is astonishing. He gets the real evidence no one else has the guts to dig up. So, you know, he's he's got the attention of some people who uh, played an important role in the legal profession. He's also got a book called Armed Madhouse and uh, Billionaires and Ballot Bandits and Vulture's Picnic. So he's he's got plenty of different things to check out if you want to look into Greg Palast. And he's also got a history with the BBC and The Guardian. He worked for the BBC as a reporter, I believe, and he's written for The Guardian. So, you know, um, it seems like the uh, British media landscape is more uh, accepting of some of the things that he has to say. He's received numerous awards for his reporting, including the Financial Times David Thomas Prize for Outstanding Journalism, I believe. And he helped expose, you know, over the years, how so much of life is basically like a fragile little house of cards and uh, how it just doesn't take a whole lot for certain things to be uh, corrupted, I guess you might say. And on that note, he's done in environmental and corporate investigation, you know, in addition to the election issue stuff. He's reported on environmental concerns, corporate malfeasance and economic inequality. Of course, you know, like anybody who's a liberal or, or on the left or whatever, he has received controversy and criticism. While Greg Palast's work has been praised for its dedication to exposing corruption, he's also faced criticism and skepticism from some quarters. You know, there's there's always going to be those critics who will raise concerns about his methods, accuracy, and, you know, political bias. But as far as I can tell, he's a pretty credible person overall. And uh, I, I think a lot of the issues that he raises, I wouldn't say that they've totally been ignored by others, but they they don't necessarily receive the kind of attention that they should. Obviously, for the most 
current and accurate information, I recommend checking more recent sources or directly visiting Greg Paulus' official website or social media profiles if you want to know what he's up to these days. The latest post on his website that I saw is from July 21st, 2023, and he says, quote, Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger has just announced another cleansing of the voter rolls, this time a total of 191,473 voters are set to be purged. Congratulations to Raffensperger for cleaning the voter rolls whiter than white, end quote. So that's a bit of recent coverage that he's had to offer. And as another example of palace style and topics, on October 27, 2010, he wrote, the petroleum broadcast system owes us an apology. You know, PBS, he called it the petroleum broadcast system. And he said, BP has neglected warnings about oil safety for years, but so has PBS. The petroleum broadcast system has turned a blind eye to be to BP perfidy for decades. If the broadcast had come six months before the Gulf blowout, after major accidents in 2005 and 2006, or after years of government fines, I would say, damn, that front line sure is courageous. But six months after the blowout, PBS has shown us it only has the courage to shoot the wounded. The entire hour told us again and again and again the problem was one company, BP, and its management culture. Unlike Shell Oil's culture, which has turned Nigeria into a toxic cesspool, unlike ExxonMobil's culture, which remains in denial about the horror it heaped on Alaska, and unlike Chevron's culture, which I witnessed in the Amazon, Chevron culture left Ecuadorian, or wait, Ecuadorian, Ecuadorian farmers with pustules all over their bodies and a graveyard of children dead of leukemia. End quote. So, yeah, he's got a he's got a brutal style, but he tells it like it is. You know, he's he's one of those uncompromising figures, which I think journalism really needs. And of course, some people don't like that combative tone, but sometimes that's what you have to do in order to shift the narrative and get people to actually pay attention. I won't say his style has caused him to be blacklisted by major American media outlets, but I doubt he is their fave and they sure don't have him on as much as they would like if he was like completely a suck up and, you know, saying nothing but kind words about the uh, media landscape and whatnot. So, you know, I, as far as I'm concerned, I think uh, Greg Palast does good work. I think overall he's very uh, effective in what he does. And it's it's pretty amazing that he's not actually more respected and more well-known. But then again, just look at the world we live in. I suppose it's not quite as amazing as I just stated, if you really put things in perspective, I suppose. Um, you know, reality itself, unfortunately, has a way of debunking, <laughs> you know, a, a lot of these people 
And by debunking, I mean just ignoring them. And uh, that's really one of the most effective ways of debunking a narrative is if you just ignore it. That way it's not even able to happen. Nobody hears about it. And it's sort of like a de facto debunking of whatever points a person is raising. And that's really part of how these uh, narratives are able to be suppressed. It's sort of like voter suppression, just like a vote and a popular opinion can be debunked um, without really having to address it. The same thing happens with media coverage of issues in general. You know, if you ignore it or um, make it so it's not even a an issue that people are aware of, well, that's that's about as good as debunking something, right? So, unfortunately, we we do live in a world where that strategy, that technique, is very common. Even as some of the glaring issues become more obvious over time, um, it's it's still a very effective thing for the powers that be to just say, "Ah, look over there." Don't look at this important issue. Look over there. Some sort of distracting thing like, you know, as as I often mention, the uh, the litter boxes in schools issue. That's that's some dipshits were bringing up a while back or, you know, claiming that there's fentanyl and Halloween candy and stuff like that. You know, just a bunch of dumb distractions to uh, get people all riled up, sort of like satanic panic kind of stuff. Um, but anyway, I've, I've said about all I need to say about this. Um, just check out Greg Palast. He's got good stuff.